Welcome to an extra special episode of the Exposition Break podcast. The Halloween season is here and we've gathered to talk about our favorite horror-themed games from the NES era through today. I'm Blake Foley, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Gandert. How are you this evening, Sean? Doing all right. Doing all right. That's good to hear. We are also joined by a very special guest, Kate Curry. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely. And, you know, we're here. We, we know you're a big fan of, you know, many and all things Halloween and slasher and all that kind of stuff. And we were, I was thinking about doing a Halloween episode and I was talking to Sean. I, I thought, you know, who better to invite on this one but Kate? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's like my favorite thing. And this is my favorite time of year. So thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Do you want to talk anything about your ventures that you have going right now to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Okay. Um, First and foremost, I'm a librarian for Hennepin County Library. And I'm also a book blogger, so you can find me and my friend Serena at www.thelibraryladies.com. And so, yeah, we just do book reviews, we do pop culture reviews, we do all sorts of stuff under the sun, from books to movies to TV to games. Awesome. And I'm glad we could merge these two, so that's real exciting. So, yeah, today we're here to talk about... um, Halloween and not necessarily all these games are scary because you know there's a lot out there that I love that is very Halloween themed but maybe not so scary but um I guess we can start off let's let's start off with you Kate what is you know what when you think of the season is there are there any games that immediately come to mind that are your personal favorites oh yeah sorry uh yeah so I really like the Left 4 Dead games I really like Left 4 Dead 2 especially just because I'm terrible at shooters so it's really nice to have the uh, melee option uh I really like playing um Amnesia I've been doing that a lot lately on Steam and I was actually thinking about a childhood game that I loved it was Are You Afraid of the Dark, The Tale of Orpheo's Curse. That was oh. a really crazy horror game that my sister okay. and I were obsessed with. Was I, that I've like never... CD-ROM? Yeah. Yeah, it was on our old Mac computer in the basement, and it was a CD-ROM. It was sort of set up like an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, and theoretically you were trying to join the Midnight Society by telling a story, but you're actually trying to solve this weird haunted vaudeville like family curse kind of thing, and it was really intense for grade schoolers, and we loved it. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. I, re- I remember watching that show and I thought I heard a rumor they're bringing it back, but maybe that's wrong. I think I heard that too. So maybe I think we'll Netflix. see what happens. I, I, Netflix? Oh. I, th- I think I heard it was coming to Netflix. Um, my wife was mentioning. So I'm excited. Okay. I just want to know more about this game that I've never heard of before. What were the, <laughs> were, were the graphics like? Um, uh were they like actual recordings or were they pixel? Like what, what are we talking about? Yeah, they were actual like videos, but also superimposed like pictures that would kind of be like a frame and then a frame and then a frame. And you would kind of be solving puzzles, but then there would also be moments where like a wax museum statue would come to life and try to kill you. So it was very like stressful. And I remember our neighbors (laughs) coming over and playing too, and just all of us having panic attacks over it. So it was really fun. 
<laughs> that sounds great. Uh, yeah. yeah. When you yeah, said when you said best. neighbors coming over, I thought maybe the neighbors were coming over to check and make sure there wasn't anything, you know, wrong. I mean, let's be real. My parents might have been like, "What are they screaming about down there?" But you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sean, what, what's what's uh, what's something that comes to mind for you? Uh, so it's not full on horror. I made you play this last uh, during the last year, though. Uh, and last year, my my wife, who does not play games like at all, I got her to go through uh, Night in the Woods, and mm. um, it's like a, it's an indie kind of platformer, slightly, but it's really much more decision tree adventure game. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit hard to describe because it's so story based it's 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 so away from what we think of gameplay and the gameplay parts actually kind of suck but yeah i was uh, gonna say the plat <laughs> the platformer parts are just kind of the worst part but yeah I, I didn't think about that game until i saw it on the list and yeah, yeah it's, it's it a there. neat thing mm-hmm. yeah it, it's and so you're you playing as this girl uh who happens to be a cat uh, who drops out of college and she returns to her hometown, which is kind of a small, slowly dying mining town. And she's just kind of hanging out with her old friends from high school. None of them, their lives are really going anywhere. And at night she starts having strange dreams that coincide with some like kind of rumors she's hearing about around town. And you're just exploring what's real and what's uh, what's not about this. Eventually you get involved with uh, weird cult shenanigans, but really it's an exploration into kind of like young adulthood when you're kind of uh, in between things, you're in a job that's not going anywhere, you're kind of with people and you're all uncertain about life, and at the same time exploring like a town that's almost in the same state uh you know looking at trying to move on in life in different ways i i really love it but uh yeah we were actually talking about uh playing through some of like the mini spin-off games that they made uh as part of their kickstarter campaign this year but haven't got around to it yet okay <clears throat> are those included in the game now yeah, they. I think they just full on at, patched it and made it so that if you buy the main game, you get these two side ones. Uh, I've played through one, and they're basically like um, myths, uh, stories that characters within the main game are telling to each other, and they're like frame tales, uh, and they're very spooky as well. And much more, kind of like Are You Afraid of the Dark, when you mentioned like, people actually telling stories. That's really a lot of what that sort of thing is, and what I love about halloween is kind of like the old um when i was you know like in uh fifth grade reading the scary stories books with friends you know we just have oh, one yeah. person be reading and then like a couple people listening yeah so mm-hmm. yeah night in the woods like you, you had me play it and it took me a while to feel necessarily the hook of it because you know it i didn't know where it was going and i i didn't really know much about it before i started it and I didn't actually expect it to take a, you know, scary, horror-y kind of turn the way it did. And even when it started to, I didn't expect it to go as far as it did. <laughs> I, I, I guess I I mean, to, I'll spoil one thing because, Kate, I think you'd actually really enjoy the game. And I think you'd enjoy the writing of it. And because okay. all of it actually makes me pretty nostalgic for high school and all that kind of stuff. So, oh, yeah, I, I bet you'd enjoy it. But to spoil one of the early things, they 
you walk out of a diner at night and your protagonist finds an arm on the ground. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And for some <laughs> cool. for some reason for some reason <laughs> I came across that. I came across that and I'm like, "Oh, that's weird." And then I didn't really assume it would continue to be a horror thing because it tells me something about minnesota <laughs> like that's oh, just your normal everyday arm it's no well, you big know, deal yeah what we do that's fine not my yep. business put it on the ice it'll be fine in the morning <laughs> but yeah I, i'm one of the things i i'm very very critical of uh writing in games i'm I don't know if it's the best written game I've ever played, but it's definitely up there in at least like the top three. The writing is uh, a, a really different level from, uh, and I, I'm a person who like I play all the weird story based games and the adventure games, and uh, none of them are at that level essentially. So. Yeah, I'd agree. The writing, like natural's the wrong word for it but believable they feel like real characters and i i thought that was really cool yeah yeah so what about you so, blake oh me um i mean as if you've been following our twitter account le- recently it's pretty obvious my favorite series to dive into this time of year is castlevania yes. and that's almost almost in every form you know but my favorite being probably the original and symphony of the night and none of those none of those are remotely scary I mean, they're they're monster st- horror kind of things, you know. And even even the first three on NES, um, they're all presented as you know old film strips. And the villains in even Castlevania One are Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, a big vampire bat, Medusa. You know, it's all kind of just monster movie affair. But you know, I really like diving into that stuff, and then then I end up falling way too deep into stupid lore. And then Sean asks questions about why death reports to Dracula. And then I, I was kind of wondering that too. So, so I saw that. So there's the crimson stone, which Dracula got a hold of in the events of lament of innocence, which death swears his allegiance to whoever holds that thing. And it also makes Dracula immortal, so therefore death can't really kill Dracula. So that's kind of other incentive of why he shouldn't really mess with Dracula, I guess. That's the justification. Now, if if that makes sense, if that makes sense, probably. I mean, that was all retconned in on the PS2 probably 20 years after the first game came out. So who knows? It's good enough. I buy (laughs) it. (laughs) (laughs) I think think it comes down to, I think I had said, you know, Dracula, either Dracula is just that badass or death is just a guy that doesn't want to be in management. <laughs> I, that also I feel seems it. seems feasible. Yeah, I, I'm with death. <laughs> yeah. It's stressful. It's really stressful. So, you know, he can just reap as others say. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I really love that series. Um, Ones that I still want to play that haven't, and I think Kate, you actually played the Nintendo sixty four one back in high school, if I remember. Oh, I did. Right. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think that it proved too difficult for me, but I did have it, and I remember liking it, and I liked that you had the choice between being Simon and then the little girl whose name I don't remember, but I always played yeah. as her. So okay, yeah, I don't know who that would have been. I don't know at that point, but the funny thing about that game was it was actually kind of unfinished and they, they released a new Castlevania game for Nintendo 64 a year later. That was basically the finished version of it. (laughs) 
So (laughs) dick move on Konami's part. A little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what are, so, you know, talking, you know, we've talked about three pretty different games at this point. You know, what are the key ingredients for a scary game? Do you guys think? I think building up dread and terror is really important. I think that you can have like, action that just keeps going like left for dead or something like that but i think that to really be scary you have to build the tension be it in like the silent hill games where you have the static whenever you're near something that's going to try to kill you or like amnesia where you hear like a growling in the corner i think that not knowing and having the terror before the horror is really important yeah, and yeah, Silent Hill, the radio thing is always just the worst because you hear that thing spin up and you you can't see what's coming through the fog and it, it it's a really effective tool. Um, well, you would call me in high school and you'd be playing that game and I could hear it over the phone and I'd hear the static <laughs> and I'd just be like, what are you doing? Kill it, kill it. I'm trying, god damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I, I spent a lot of time with Silent Hill 2 in high school. <laughs> um, yeah. It was good. Have you had the benefit of checking out PT at all, Kate? Mm-mm. Do, you, do you know what PT yeah. is? I don't. So okay. inform me. So actually, Sean, why don't you go ahead? Because you, you've, <laughs> I'm very you've gone down the, the PT. Uh, yes. Oh. So the idea... Before he got uh, fired, uh, Kojima, the guy who made the Metal Gear games, was uh, taking over the Silent Hill series. And Mm. so in order to, uh, instead of introducing people with a normal trailer, he made uh, PT, which stands for Playable Teaser. And uh, ultimately, there was no full game, but it uh, ends up being kind of a, um, probably like a... 20 to 30 minute long game where the entire thing is you going down one little hallway that loops when you reach the end and open a door and you go back through it again and you're trying to figure out why you can't get out of this one infinitely looping hallway and why every time you go through the hallway something has changed something very slightly has changed and there's a kind of a growing sense of dread about the whole situation there are things playing on the radio there are things popping up behind you and one of the interesting things that he did is like it's a combination of a pre-programmed design like if you do certain things you can you can beat it but at the same time that uh they randomized a lot of the horror elements so even having like played it a whole bunch, uh, it's still incredibly in- unpredictable what will happen when you ever you're going through it. Uh, so the first time I played it, I was uh, hanging out with some friends in Florida, and uh, I-, I was playing. There were like four people watching behind me because they just wanted to see what happened during my experience of doing it, and it was very much a like. Uh, yeah it's a strange driving experience it's also all done in first person and it feels very um the feeling of dread in it is just absolutely constant you're you're trying to figure out what your character did in order to get stuck like this uh and i don't know it gradually gets very dark i i have had difficulty trying to explain why it's so exciting 
So I tried to make my brother play it when he visited town a couple months ago, and he doesn't play video games, and it was a terrible experience. Oh, no. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And there's also like at this point, a bunch of mystery kind of around it because due to drama with Konami and, you know, Hideo Kojima, the guy who made it, um, it got the, so actually I can't remember if you mentioned this shot. So it was actually a teaser for a Silent Hill game. It turns out starring Norman Reedus. Oh, I did hear about this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I did hear about this. Yep. So that got canceled. And then. PT got pulled from the PlayStation Network. And unless you have it on your hard drive or through some nifty means of rerouting IP addresses, you can't get it anymore. Hmm. So it, it's it's very limited at this point, which I think adds to the intrigue unintentionally. But yeah, to your point, Sean, about like what makes it so interesting, it's it's part of it's the simplicity of it in that it's just that hallway. And when the things start changing, you know, the light color changes slightly or there's this thing tipped over, you hear footsteps behind you. And, you know, I've never actually fully completed it because it does get to the point where it's kind of a weird pixel hunt and I didn't have the patience to do that. But <laughs> there, it's still pretty creepy and scary and there's a lady that follows you or just looks down at you from a balcony and it's... It's impressive. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, you can't actually die in it, but she still seems super threatening. You, yeah, well, you can't, you can't lose, but you can kind of have to, uh, not even restart, but like she'll take you down and you respawn in the original place you started. So you can't lose, lose, but it's fairly terrifying when she takes you down. And yeah, when you say like all it is, it's like a light changing color. But the, a lot of the brilliance is that there's so many details. It's like, oh, one light changed. Well, there's like a hundred different lights in the, in the hallway. And seemingly, all of them can change. And all of them can do weird things. So mm-hmm. there's, um, you're constantly trying to figure out what's wrong. Like, I turned around. What happened? And it, it's almost like... Uh, it gives a sense of what a creepy sort of ghost house feeling. There's something in here with me moving things that I can't control. And I don't even fully know what they moved or why. And that like sheer unknowableness to me is more scary than like, you know, like monsters rampaging at you or whatever. It's like, okay, I understand what's happening. But in PTA, I constantly feel... I can never kind of get a whole grip on what the situation is, what I'm supposed to be doing, what is supposed to be happening. And so it, it keeps you on edge, even if you've seen people play it uh, through it a few times. Yeah. And one thing I love about it is, you know, at this point, people don't, people still don't know what the whole story of it actually is having pieced together radio bits and all that kind of stuff. They're still not quite sure. And then, of course, it falls into my love of weird video game conspiracy theories, and people are trying to connect it to all kinds of modern stuff that's going on. But they're all wrong, but I still love to listen to it. (laughs) Uh, But my my favorite moment that I experienced when in PT, and this this might happen to everyone, or you know, it might be one of the random things, but I still remember at one point doing probably four laps through the hallway without seeing anything change. And then on the fifth one, I came through the door and all the lighting had changed on me. And that sounds like a simple thing, but 
having done those four laps, I wasn't expecting something to change at that point. So I, I was starting to think, oh, it's broken or, oh, I'm missing something when it turns out it, it triggered something eventually. On You're like, own. oh, I've finished. Like I've seen all the variables and now this is like the final state. And then mm-hmm. it's still just waiting to jump something new out at you. And what's what's cool to me is that it's not, again, there is a creepy ghost woman who can get you, but she's not really the whole menace. The whole menace is just like a little thing uh, is going on and I can't, I, I can't explain what it is. And uh, that sort of unexpected, the inexplicable is always you know what's really terrifying that was kind of the you know like when you think about like the universal horror movies like frankenstein to me at least has never been that sort of terrifying in the way that like lovecraft the unknowable horror from beyond that you really can't fathom is a lot more uh terrifying at least where i'm coming from well, it sounds kind of like the um, the theory of the uncanny in terms of horror, where it's something that you can't quite put your finger on why it's wrong, but it's wrongness is what messes with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a class in college about this, or well, about monsters, robots, and cyborgs, and how these stories applied to society when they were <laughs> written. I mean, of course I did. It's very on brand. It's but, very. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember we read a story, and I cannot remember the title. I looked through all my notes. I've looked through all my course packets. I can't find it again. But essentially, it has a man is on a Ferris wheel, and it he rides up to the top, and he can see into his apartment. And while he's at the top of this Ferris wheel, he looks in his apartment, and he sees himself cooking dinner. And it's like that uncanny thing where it's just, what is happening? This is wrong, but it's not overtly wrong. And that stuff really creeps me out. So that sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, PT, basically make it make an entire game of that moment. <laughs> just uh, yeah. string yeah. them all together and, uh, oh and play it when it's completely dark. You know, I, I, the darkness helps, I got to say. Like, uh, it does. It does. <laughs> I, I that it's it's like a weird thing but you're you're still human you know you're still this creature that responds to things elementally and uh i don't think anything is scary if you play it all uh in a well-lit place with like you know nice music and whatever like the atmosphere makes a difference it, it, it mm-hmm. well, sure well, because well, with Amnesia, it has you, like, at the beginning before you start a new game, it says adjust your picture so you can only see the outlines of this gray box on a black background. So, yeah, having the darkness, is that's very atmospheric and creepy. The darkness and sound design, I think some of my scariest moments playing games have been with headphones on, which can make things even worse. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember, so I wrote this down further on the list. Um, (laughs) As far as like a game, I couldn't bring myself to finish uh, playing Silent Hill Origins on PSP. So it wasn't a good game and it wasn't even like compared to Silent Hill 2, it wasn't even all that scary. It was just treading the same ground that I'd seen before. But the thing they recommended doing was turning off all the lights and putting on a pair of headphones. And then you stack that on top of the tiny, tiny screen, and it felt overwhelmingly claustrophobic. Oh, sure. And eventually I just couldn't finish that anymore. And that that was probably one of my just, yeah, kind of shameful but cool things in 
scary games. <laughs> um, so looking at our list of stuff we've all kind of written down, I know I do. I see a lot of zombie games. Do you think are are zombies scary in games anymore? Oh, that's a good question. Not well. It depends on what game I'm playing. I mean. If I'm playing Left 4 Dead 2, I, I play that so much when my friend David's in town, and I'm not really scared anymore. It's just more like, all right, let's go through and kill these zombies. But the first time I played it, when I first saw The Witch, that was horrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this girl crying in a corner, and then she can, like, kill you with her claws. It's horrible. Yeah, I yeah always, and she is just crying and leaps. I just feel like it also yeah. depends on what you count as, like, zombies. I I felt like uh, when I first played Dead Space, I, I was just kind of alone in a uh, apartment I had just moved to. Uh, it was just playing it at nights from like midnight onward for like a week and uh you know there's space zombies but i i have like a pretty ridiculous sound setup uh with surround sound and uh these things jumping out at me at 3 a.m um yeah they're just space zombies but uh they're scary i legitimately (laughs) to me I mean, they're they're very unnatural in that game. You know, they kind of take it beyond. They're a little more creature horror than. But I feel like you often need a little riff in the same way that you just mentioned with Left 4 Dead. Like it's the basic zombie Mm. is not the most interesting in that way. Like I actually think that there's a lot of horror things that can be done with them, but not not in mass. You know, not like the classical Romero. I I think individualized zombies are really interesting and scary. And so kind of that that helps. I I think the reason I brought that up because you and I were playing Dying Light last week, co-op. And in all the time we've spent playing that game, it's a zombie game, it never occurred to me that it was a horror game (laughs) in a weird way. Like it never crossed my mind until we were... We were on a new mission and we were working our way through an apartment complex. It's it's an Kate for your reference. It's an open world kind of parkour zombie apocalypse thing. What if Assassin's okay. Creed were just zombies? Oh dang! Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's first person, and you know you're running around, and it's kind of silly, really. In the end, you know you're you're hitting a zombie with an electrified cricket bat. And, you know, they, they writhe on the floor, you know, it, it's silly and it never even occurred to me. Oh yeah. Zombies are a horror thing. Like I'd been so, I don't know, desensitized is overused, but you know, it just, it didn't occur to me until we were doing a totally different thing. We were in a dark apartment complex moving floor by floor. And suddenly the tone of that game shifted, whether they intended it or not. Suddenly I went, Oh, right. This, this is actually kind of a, meant to be kind of a horror thing they're starting to do horror stuff here and then we came across a uh zombie child and that that was an oh man like i was not expecting that at all and the zombie child would kept screaming until Uh and would keep summoning more zombies as it screamed until you stopped him and oh it was it was it was rough. <laughs> now yeah. all of that was all of that was ruined by a really bad animation as I stopped him, but oh. it was still kind of weird and intense. And Sean, I hope you get a chance to see that animation at some point. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I do. Uh, you got the achievement. What What was the achievement for it? It's just like, oh, what was the achievement? It was like hush hush or something yeah. like that. Oh it was, God. And like, I can't tell from the animation if I killed it or if I just like rocked it off to sleep. I, it was, it, oh. it didn't, it didn't do a good job of communicating what happened, but That's I either broke it. adorable. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. I can't remember if I saved a clip of it or not when we were playing. So I'll have to look back on my hard drive and see if I have something of it. And I'll, I'll share that with you all. <laughs> Well, that is something about zombie children, though, because I know the Left 4 Dead people, they were like, you're not going to see any zombie children in these games um, for whatever reason. So, yeah, I think that you need that one thing that's going to be actually horrific as opposed to, okay, it's just zombie, 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 zombies. So maybe that child thing, that could be like the horrific moment that it's like, oh, yeah, this is horror. It's kind of like in Shaun the Dead, where he actually has to kill his mother. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. This is not just a sweet comedy. Right. Know? Exactly. Like, no, we're not just deconstructing this. It's like, no, this is actually a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the best. Oh, yeah. Also, also a great rom-com. But yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Dead Space also has dead or zombie babies. Is that only in the second one? Do you remember, Sean? Uh, there are some zombie babies. The the nursery is in the second one, and that's that's okay. probably what okay. you're thinking of. But there there's there's some in the first one. They kind of up that in the second one. And that was actually the only part of the second one that's super memorable. Uh, there's <laughs> that. There's this little temple bit, but mostly, you know, I. I think that to me was like you it moved from being a horror game into being an action game and you move faster um you have a little bit more control it's a little bit less wonky um but at the same time uh there's kind of like a streamlined way and part of the horror from the original comes from like not even just be like your own awkwardness but like the game has a little bit um I don't know. Uh, I think part of why zombies don't have much effect is you've played a lot of video games that are shooters. You've seen a lot of bodies, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, those little things, when, like when you said like they're kind of animalistic, there's something a little bit different about them. Uh, that was really true in the first one. And then the behavior, because they started to speed it up and make it more into an action game, they start behaving like humans and they start uh you start interacting with them the way you do the humans in any call of duty game and suddenly the horror element starts uh starts dissolving yeah and that that's a great point because that brings me up to a question i was thinking about so you know there's there's debate about modern horror and people complain about old resident evil games for controlling poorly or old silent hill games for controlling poorly do you think as you know games start to control better does it start to remove some of that horror or do you think a modern you know game that controls well can still be sufficiently scary i don't know that's a good question i i think it can it's the matter of a power balance right Mm-hmm. If you control well, they need to be even more 
more frightening, more powerful, whatever. Like, if you control really poorly, then they can be those uh, Resident Evil zombies that are really pushovers. You just have to hit them once. It's just a matter of getting to hit them with your weird tank controls. Mm-hmm. But I think it's <laughs> I think it's more about the getting this power balance where you are out of control in some way. I don't think that it's necessarily the best game design to make the way in which you're out of control be literally the game's controls. But by making people lose control of the situation, it's a very different experience from, especially like most games are a form of power of power fantasy. So you get rid of that control element and it starts becoming something else. I don't think I'm making this up, but maybe I am. I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I've played through Silent Hill 2. But I think on the harder difficulties in Silent Hill 2, you have a quick pivot button that you can press where you'll spin on your heels to turn around to run. I feel I think there's a chance on that pivot where your character can actually trip and fall over. That See, that to me is a great mechanic. Utterly, mm-hmm. utterly infuriating to play with. But, but, but <laughs> that doesn't mean it's not brilliant because, again, it's like finding a way of taking the control out of your hand. I mean, when you think of mm-hmm. uh, Eternal Darkness, what makes that into being a horror game is like when you have the sanity effects, right? And then suddenly yeah. uh, the, the game that you expect to have is no longer what's happening. And ultimately to you even when you talked about something as kind of storybookish as night in the woods, the part that uh, made it horror to you was, Oh, it wasn't the arm that was kind of a signal, but was when it went off the rails and the unexpected really jumped into there. So when Kate mentioned the uncanny, I think that that's a pretty, it's a, I feel like it's a pretty necessary part of most types of horror, particularly the type that you can experience through video games. Like, think that there are other ones but they're a little bit more personal and more difficult to express in this sort of medium mm-hmm. yeah and i think that one of the more more effective games i've played is amnesia and you really you can't fight mm. it's really just more you gotta run and you gotta run now and i think that having sort of no control over how you can protect yourself outside of running really does a lot too in terms of making you feel freaked out or disenfranchised or whatever so yeah i think that as long as that power is there where you even if you have you know smarts and cleverness if you can't fight that's definitely going to affect how you feel about the game and that one also has sanity effects where it's like if you aren't in the light for a little bit you start having um sanity issues and then the game will blur and things will start being a little bit out of place so i mean i think if you can adjust to make it so that you have a lack of power i think that that can make it more effective I, I I really need to check out Amnesia. I bought it on Steam a long time ago and realized it didn't run as well as I wanted it to on my computer. Oh, sure. And then, so I shelved it, but I think I own a copy now for PS4 through PlayStation Plus, so I should really dive into that because it seemed like a neat I thing. I think I do too. That, you know, I think, yeah. yeah, you probably do. And it's a, I think 
it was the first not maybe not the first but it was the first one that seemed to get a lot of attention of you know you're completely vulnerable survival horror kind of thing we've since seen like outlast and a lot of copycat things even resident evil 7 kind of plays with it a little bit although they eventually give you guns and weapons and stuff but it it uh it has always kind of intrigued me because it is kind of it seems like a more kind of poe edgar Allan poe style horror bit and it's got the sanity stuff and i'm curious how far that sanity stuff actually goes if it is anything is it is just kind of blurry stuff or does it go as far as something like eternal darkness well i haven't played eternal darkness so i don't really know how to compare it to that but okay. i do know that i was just playing it the other day it had been a while since i played it and so i'm like well let's just do it again i'm gonna be on this podcast so let's get some insight and i had these tinder boxes and i had a lantern and i'm like oh i gotta save my fuel i don't want to worry about having to find it later but then like the room would spin or there'd be like shimmers and there'd be like heartbeats in your ear and it would just be like, okay, I'm just going to pull up my lantern. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I definitely need to play that. Are you, are you, do you think you're going to finish that and then check out um, a machine for pigs? You know, I don't know if I'm going to do machine for pigs because people I've talked to, they said that it's fine, but it really doesn't compare. Uh, okay. And we'll see if I even get to the point of finishing amnesia. It might just be like, okay, I'm out. Goodbye. I can't do this. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And I think, yeah, Machine for Pigs was made by a different team altogether. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who made what, and then I can't, so I won't even try and guess right now. But <laughs> so, all right. And so looking at this list, Sean, I see that you wrote down Catherine hyphen, yes, seriously. So I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say about Catherine. Well, you know, I don't think it ever gets thought of as any sort of horror game uh if, if you're thinking of like something analogous to it it's closer to like david lynch as horror than anything else but to me uh, so I, I guess i should probably explain a little bit about what Catherine is it's a puzzle game of all things but it's kind of a puzzle role-playing game you play as a man named vincent who wakes up to find that he's cheated on his fiance Catherine with another woman named Catherine, and the entire uh game is you know what i mentioned that uh kind of what i think the medium of games tends to be very good with it's very external very few games are uh internal or at least do anything internal very well um I, re- I still remember when I talked to Tom Bissell about this and uh, his his re- his response to people complaining about the writing of games was like, well, yeah, go read a book. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's, that's one answer. Uh, right. But, but I do think that it's interesting when games try to deal with something internal. And Catherine, uh, every night of the game, you're, uh, you go into your different nightmares. They get increasingly worse as the game's kind of puzzles are represented by uh, kind of 
your own conscience and what you're thinking about the situation as as the story progresses and you make certain decisions in it and i'm uh, suddenly remembering the baby chasing you up the puzzle and now i'm remembering why this is a horror game oh god yeah it, it's a uh, you should you should watch video i i also <laughs> i think it's a fantastic game that's marred a li- it's marred in the end by some weird uh if you take w- it's very hard to get to, but if you take one particular ending, there's some bad Japanese transphobia that I think they're removing oh, from the next. There's, I think they're removing from the next edition. It's my understanding oh, that's that. That's good. Um, but well, it is also infuriating because there's a character who is like, "Oh, this is like a good representation." Oh God, yeah. <laughs> like, completely wrecks at the end. So, in any case. Uh, uh, but the game is really about uh, these every sort of night you're dealing with uh, kind of the psychological things that this character is dealing with, and it's all out of control. Eventually, you learn that you know the inciting incident is also kind of out of your control in that way. Uh, the Catherine, uh, the other Catherine, is in fact a demon succubus. Um, you can totally choose to stay with her and be faithful. There's no reason not you do. You do not have to reject the demon succubus. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, she's a, like full character. Like mm-hmm. she has this task, but then once that's done, you know, it's like, well, now she's here and she's a person. There's no reason she's not. Um, but it, it, yeah, I, I liked a game dealing with a uh, internal horror I don't know that it's a perfect game, but it's a, it's a really, really interesting game. And I latched onto it so much partially because I never see anything else try that. Like even, even Night of the Woods, where you are have these really deep characters, it doesn't really... It's still, uh, you know, you can't have the first person sort of feeling in the way that you could for a book or even a lot of movies. But with Catherine, you're you're stuck with vincent vincent's crappy he's a he's not a good human but you are he's still a human and you're kind of dealing with what's happening uh mm-hmm. i kind of like his crappiness in in a lot of ways because the game doesn't really try to present him as anything else That's yeah and one thing Catherine, one thing it does is it it also asks you as the player to kind of reflect on yourself by asking you specific kind of morality questions in between stages but it maybe i'm forgetting but i don't think it ever actually expresses one is the right answer one is the no, wrong answer it doesn't what it so yeah between levels you kind of have this interstitial place uh in your dreams but then it completely breaks a third wall and it asks you the player uh i can't you know, it's been too long since I played it to remember any specific ones. It actually also uploads your answer and it shows you how other people answered it. So what percentage of players uh, responded with each of the answers. And uh, it has no bearing on the game's, like how the game plays out. It just has bearing in trying to make you think about uh, moral choices and the decisions that we make and kind of you know they're not like a good or bad thing they're more like a do i put do i ultimately need to put myself first do i need to put my partner first where do we both mix in this uh it's 
grasping at a sort of maturity that is like so rare for video games yeah the overall the game even depending on the endings you get i don't think it ever passes judgment on you as the player i think the only judgment that seems to take place is what you as the player put upon yourself yeah and it's it's very much about that and that could be terrifying well yeah Yeah. when it when it uh gets re-released i think it should be like end of this year or like early next year uh you should you should get it on steam kate i think uh it's it's very unique if nothing else like i i don't want a sequel to Catherine, but i want the developer they it's the guy who made the persona three through five and i kind of want him to do more uh not a sequel to it but more like weird unique games of this sort because they're so uh uh I don't know. He's he's really trying something there, and uh, as much as I enjoy like the team, uh, essentially doing Buffy with all the different Persona games, uh, it was nice to see him have adult characters too. Sure. I mean, honestly, you had me at David Lynch. So. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of David Lynch, uh, it's a game I need to try playing, and I I don't think any of us have played it, but Deadly Premonition is a game that. I really feel the need to try out because I've watched some video of it and it seems to be very, very David Lynch, but also very, I don't know. I can't even begin to describe it, but I think everyone should give a look at that at some point. Deadly premonition. It's about okay. a guy named sweary. So I'm right. Making that a cat game. Yeah. He's making a cat game. So that's awesome. <gasps> ah! <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Although I think he added dogs to it as part of a stretch goal on Kickstarter. Yeah, or I think like you know that because I sent you a very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here with these dogs. Yeah, no, no dogs. No dogs, <laughs> no dogs allowed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of Catherine, you know, it's it's not something you traditionally think of as a horror game until you start explaining that. I went, oh, yeah, you're right. But you know, I think there's probably been moments for all of us in non-horror games that have caused us to kind of get a little scared here and there. You oh, know, it's kind of no. kind of the the Pixar effect. Every Pixar movie has like a really freaky moment, and I feel like some games have that too. And like I, I remember as a kid playing Super Mario Brothers two in anytime Fanto would show up, I would just be filled with dread. I would take uh, that key and immediately throw it because I was afraid of what Fanto was going to do to me. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It was it was just, oh my God, that was the worst. It's like, oh, get this key out of my hand. Don't come at me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's kind I of had a, I had a weird experience with Super Mario Brothers 3. And, you know, I'm, I'm one year younger than you. So maybe this is why it's a different Mario Brothers. <laughs> but, it was a, but it was about the that game's equivalent of Fanto. It was the sun. I was going to say so, the sun. Okay. Yeah, so it was like... It was uh, not quite Halloween, but it was like a October night. It was all dark in the house, and my my brothers were like pretending that they couldn't get away from the sun. It was just an inescapable thing, and uh, for some reason, this night like none of us could do it, and uh, it felt like we were dealing with a possessed. And you know, like at that point in time, I beaten super mario brothers three a dozen times like this is not a challenging thing but uh there was lightning striking it was a big storm that night 
and then uh, the sun, we like the power went out briefly, and then when it came back, we couldn't beat the sun. And then it was just like, ah, I, you know, it was like six. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like a creepy pasta. Like, what was that creepy pasta with Zelda? Like the the story of Ben or something. I, I mean, love this that. really sounds that's, like, oh, so that's, good. That's, that's like one of my favorite internet stories. Probably. Me too. Yeah. I I don't actually know that one. I'm obsessed so with that. It's okay. So I, I I tried I tried retelling a version of that and it didn't quite work at one point for a mm. story. Yeah. It's you should look it up. I think if you look up Majora's Mask Ben Creepypasta, you will find it. It is horrifying. Okay. I'll definitely do that. That sounds yeah. great. Cuz I do, I do love stuff like that and I do love kind of game urban legends. It reminds me of uh this is this wasn't a real game, but uh, Kill Switch is that what it was called, Sean? Yeah, it's it's Kill Switch. I I mean yeah. I used to have originally in uh, in my first novel uh, I had like every possible urban legend about a game was touched upon. And by the time they there are also like a hundred other urban legends, but none of them are really talked about that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them got removed, but Kill Switch is one of the best ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the idea is that it's the true game where you only get one life. Uh, it deletes itself from your computer as soon as you uh, die. So you buy oh. a copy, and that is it. Yeah, that was like Kill Switch. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and I think it's still out there on the internet. I also know it got put into that collection of uh, short stories. I think it was uh, Press Start to Play. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, I've so. heard of that. Yeah, it's in there too. I I pulled it up not too long ago, and that was just a neat story. It wasn't an actual real video game, but I love reading that thing because I love that sort of story. Um, as far as like other kind of scary things that just kind of show up in unexpected places, I mean, Super Metroid, which it kind of is meant to be kind of a scary thing. It's an isolation thing. It's, it's very a riff much, on Alien. It, yeah, it's a riff on Alien, yeah. so it is meant to be a scary thing, but. I didn't really perceive it as one most of the time while I was playing it, except for playing Super Metroid. The start screen has just dead bodies on it, which is like the least <laughs> Nintendo thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it's just it's the room with the cracked container and there's just dead scientists laying on the ground. And I don't think I even realized that at first when I loaded it up because it's maybe a little abstract. But looking back at it, I'm like, man, that's that's kind of dark. That's like literally how the miniseries for The Stand begins. Mm. With just scientist bodies all around the place, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I know that in terms of uh, video games that aren't supposed to be scary, but you have scary moments, um, Ocarina of Time, I've had a few. Uh, <laughs> I love that game. And I, you mentioned one, I'm like, all right, which one is he thinking of? Because there are two that come to mind for me. Okay. And the first one involves my dad. Is this the one that you're thinking of? Maybe. Thinking I, I don't know of... if I remember the dad part. I remember when I was first trying to get you to play that game and it had to do with a Skeleta. Yeah, that's or, the uh, one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. So when I don't like, well, I'm okay with spiders now. Back when I knew Blake in high school, I was not good with spiders at all. And I remember, so when you go into the Deku tree and there are those giant skeletons all over the darn place. And so I, I had this game on the N64. My sister and I would play it. And my dad, who, you know, he wouldn't play video games, but he would certainly enjoy watching us and judging us about how we played said video games. And so I remember 
one night, like the first time I got to the Deku tree and he's like standing in the doorway, he's not even in the room and the giant skulltula drops when you're up on those platforms and before you're supposed to jump into the webbing and I screamed and started to panic. My dad's like, just kill it. And it's like, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful <laughs> constructive piece of advice. Um, I had a really hard time with those guys and eventually I got over it. Um, but yeah, they were rough. But then mm-hmm. the re-deads are also really rough in that yeah. game. <laughs> re re-dead, the re-deads. Yeah, re-deads are very disturbing in yes. like their look and then their animations like have a weird especially when you're they permanently took my life away. Yeah. They suck. <laughs> yes. And the horrible banshee scream when they start mm-hmm. to come at you and it's just like, what is this? Oh god. Yeah. They were they were really bad. Man, as soon as the scream started, I just have to run from whatever. That's exactly right. It's just like, well bye, I'm out. Just sprint. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I didn't have the skull or the sun song. And it's made worse by the fact that you're a child. You know, when you see That's him as an adult, true. it feels less bad. But mm-hmm. when you're a child and this weird redead thing jumps on your head, oh god, clings onto right. you, yes. and like, oh yeah. my gosh, I, I'm going to call that animation humps your <laughs> okay. head. It's not yeah. good. Oh, god. It, it's way. It's it's not it's good. Very inappropriate. Yeah. It is very inappropriate, but it, it, <laughs> it, it's. Nintendo effective, very effective. Yeah, the first time I heard the, because you know, you told me about, oh yeah, I gotta get the sun song, but watch out for these guys. I'm like, whatever, I know what I'm doing. And then I get down there, I'm like, what's this? And then screech, and I'm like, oh my god, as these things just jump on me, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I I, I want to play that game again. I need to play that game again. I know, right? We found <laughs> the old N64. My parents have it set up in their basement. So, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, I wrote down a few others that I just thought were kind of just one that I don't think is scary, but unsettling is the future in Chrono Trigger. Um, you travel through a lot of time periods in Chrono Trigger, but when you get to the future and I forget it's a thousand years and I don't, can't remember how far into the future it is. You're in. I don't even think it's that far. Okay. Yeah. But it's kind of a mildly sci-fi future but it is just desolate and eerie and like i can't even describe it too well but there's just so many atmospheric touches on it that make it seem hopeless in a way that kind of struck me pretty hard for a super nintendo game and the one that sticks with me the most is like the reheal stations in that in the future where you can reheal yourself, but after you do, it still goes out of its way to tell you that you're still hungry. And oh, <laughs> I, I had forgotten about yeah. that. Yeah, it's like, like uh, you you feel healed, and then I think it's like in parentheses, mm-hmm. but still feel hungry. <laughs> Gosh, could have done just feels, that. Yeah, it feels hopeless. It's not like traditional horror, but it's like, man, there's this is just all bad. And then Chrono Cross actually has a throwback to that that I really appreciate. It was probably my favorite part of the game is you actually go to the future and at one point you use one of those things and it tells you you're still hungry and I really appreciated that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, Kate, it looks like you wrote down Fallout 4. I did, yes. Um, I love Fallout 4 so much. I think it's such a good game. That's the one that really got me just completely obsessed um, recently. 
And the Dunwich Borers is something that comes to mind for me. It's like um, an abandoned mine in Fallout 4. And you go down into it. I think that I was there on some sort of like trying to get rid of all the raiders or something like that. But Mm -hmm. as you go down, you kind of start piecing together this story of like a company get together that went wrong. And Mm. there are little flashes of where you're going through and you have these little flashbacks as to the stuff that's going on. And I know that it's sort of referencing something in Fallout 3 and I haven't played Fallout 3, but it's referencing something that was going on in that game in which they were trying to raise a Cthulhu-like creature because Dunwich Borers, Dunwich Horror, blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) But I remember (laughs) going through and just being like, this is really upsetting. I don't even know why because it's just the exact same idea of what what you usually do in Fallout where you're getting rid of the raiders and you're just doing all this, but it was just because you'd hit these flashbacks of seeing people who weren't there anymore and it was just so unsettling and I was like, okay, I just want to get done with this as soon as possible and just go back to Red Rocket with my dog and McCready and just hang out. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I played a bit of I played a bit of four. I never got to that, and that actually makes me want to dive back into it. I do have it through Xbox Game Pass, so maybe I need nice. to start that up again because I did sell my PlayStation copy of it, but. Maybe that may, that might be the thing that gets me back into that game. I got frustrated with the inventory management in that game and got mad well, enough to quit. Well, that's fair. <laughs> Rage quit. No, I hear you. Yeah, I I just was like, I'm just going to get rid of all this garbage because I always picked people that couldn't really carry much. Like McCready was my main guy. He can't carry anything. So mm-hmm. it's just like, wow, great. Well, the thing that happened to me was I took care of all my inventory and then mm-hmm. didn't save and then got hit by a nuke from one of the the super mutants oh and then saw that all my inventory was back the way it was and i turned it off and never went back i'm done goodbye (laughs) (laughs) so i don't remember that from fallout 3 though do you remember that i I, i'm wondering if it's from one of the dlcs i didn't play Hmm. because i don't remember it from the main game at first i was like well if it's a mine thing there's a mine with the kids but i don't remember any sort of eldritch horror going on so i i I feel like it might have been uh one of the dlc okay yeah i i don't know i just was reading about it because like what is going on here the first time i played it and i'm like okay well sure i never actually played this like i said i don't have the context but there's something about the third one with some group trying to raise some kind of cthulhu cult thing so (laughs) see that sounds good that's always the funny thing about (laughs) bethesda games the the side writing is always so much more interesting than the main story and it's yeah just, i say that's it, right it's fascinating how that happens yeah i wrote down you know the elder scrolls games i've played i've played oblivion for probably 80 to 100 hours and mm-hmm. i've played skyrim for probably an equal amount and i've never finished either of those games and oh. a lot of that time has been spent doing the dark brotherhood which is the kind of assassins guild that exists in that fiction, but that stuff gets weird and dark and is always written so much better than anything in the main game. And that, that, that dark brotherhood stuff gets pretty creepy sometimes because it goes to dark places and like to the point where sometimes you just feel awful about the things you're doing, which is why I love it. I remember in oblivion, I 
had to poison my entire brother brotherhood to cleanse them because our deity that we worshiped told me to. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't Jim feel, Jones, anybody? I didn't, I didn't feel good about that. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was scary for me. So I, I think that fits with today's <laughs> topic. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I mentioned that uh, I didn't finish Silent Hill Origins because that that kind of freaked me out a bit too much. We're talking about games we have finished. Are there any others that you two haven't finished because it just you just decided it was too much? Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, Um, I really loved that game. I loved how it completely sort of flipped Resident Evil on its head. Um, it was first person. You weren't even really dealing with Raccoon City or Umbrella Corp, at least as far as I got. You were sort of in like a back... Well, that's the thing. Uh, you were kind of like in a backwater Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of situation where I think it's like your wife or your girlfriend has gone missing and she was working for some family out in like the low country and you're going to go find her and then you stumble a foul, a creepy family. And I just remember screaming my head off through like the first level and board to the point where it's just like, I, I love this. I cannot put myself through this anymore. It seemed very like Texas Chainsaw Massacre one with the family. Like absolutely. They, they seemed. Yeah. And I remember I haven't played it yet. And I, and I intend to, cause I'm actually a pretty big resident evil fan, but that, that franchise has been all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sean and I played Resident Evil 6, 5 and 6 co-op, and we quit 6 partway through because we just, we kept dying to a stupid, stupid, stupid thing. <laughs> but but even, even before then, there was a lot of like, really, come on. And mm-hmm. we just played through it because it's also, you know, it's fun to hang out and play something together. Oh, sure. But it was, uh, but, you know, ultimately it was always like, you know what? Uh, let's do something else. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And that game, the, that, the series has high highs, though. Mm-hmm. Like it those does. Those were bad. And I'm super excited for the Resident Evil 2 remake. But Resident Evil Seven, I've only watched some footage of it from the first kind of house area. And there's a moment where they're being chased by the patriarch of the family, the dad. Yes, yes. And he, <laughs> they go into a safe room, and they come back out, and he's gone. Yeah. And they're like, okay. And they start walking forward down the hallway and suddenly the the dad bursts through the wall isn't the yes. right word, but he kind of just slowly crumbles through the wall. And it's it was, not the wrong word. <laughs> no, it, it's it, it's frightening. <laughs> like it was even horrible. Watch, huh. It was, no, it it was, was really scary. That sounds great. Yeah, it was effective and impressive. Like it I can't call it a jump scare because he didn't like jump <laughs> um, yeah it wasn't like a kool-aid man thing it was more oh, of a yeah. like wait he shouldn't be able to do that oh it's mm-hmm. horrible that sort of feeling exactly it was horrible. exactly so <laughs> that that's the thing that sold me on trying it out but i haven't gotten around to it yet yeah so. it's, it's really good but yeah after because at that point you're like trying to do the i gotta sneak through the wall like the not the walls the, the hallways of this house trying to figure i don't remember what you're supposed to do but then he's like lurking around and yes then he'll just like walk through a wall and it's just what is happening and then he starts like <laughs> killing you and it's horrible <laughs> Awesome. 
yeah i need to i need to play that so good next time it's on sale um what are some i mean what are some series that you want to play but haven't um one that actually what is the freaking name of it now sean do you remember the name of the uh playstation 4 adventure e game that's kind of the teen slasher movie i can't think of the name of it right uh, now did i write it down maybe i wrote it down hold on oh, until that dawn amazing. I, it was until oh. dawn until dawn yep mm. and it was a so- yeah. sony exclusive but it's a teen slasher movie but you make all the choices kind of going through it and part of the game is is you know how many teens you know how many people can you get to make survive it. this thing yeah so oh, that's up my alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounded like I I thought everyone talked about it as like if heavy rain sort of mechanics was, was done well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yep. I also think it has Wendigos. Hmm. <gasps> Ooh, I saw a video okay. I, I, and, and I was like, OK, that's new. Cool. I, <laughs> I could do that. Mm-hmm. Oh. I really, I really want to check that out. And I think I actually have that through PlayStation plus two, or I bought it for like $5 on sale one day and didn't actually get around to playing it. So I need to look into that too. If only I had as much time as I wanted to dive into all this stuff. I really want to play the evil within games just because it's the guy who made resident evil going back and doing his own thing. I never gotten the impression that they're like super good, but I have a lot of, kind of old loyalty to that i don't know the thing i heard listening to the 8-4 podcast um some ex-egm guys they two is supposed to actually be really good and the interesting thing about two is two is actually an open world horror game which we don't see a lot of and they said two is so good that it actually lifts up the quality of one which made me want to go back and start that from the beginning huh yeah well that that sounds like quite a recommendation i don't know how Mm -hmm. it makes sense but i i I would check that out and find out um yeah i I do want to check that out someday i want to play amnesia i want to play resident evil 7 so i mean i guess what i'm saying is i have a lot to play at this point oh i do too i mean Mm. the one that came to mind when you said that was night trap oh (laughs) yeah yeah because i know they're redoing night trap or they have redone night trap but i remember the controversy that was the original night trap and poor dana plato i think was Mm -hmm. involved in that um so i kind of want to like try night trap out (laughs) like i don't know i'd love to hear about that it's out on playstation 4 now and i think it's coming to switch but i'm not sure if it's coming i think it's already i think it's already on it's already on switch is it okay is, i'll yeah, keep that okay. in mind because we have a switch okay cool doesn't it have that song oh gosh probably i, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like that's all yeah, I, that one that's all i gotta say you know uh, the one you, you'll you'll get it you'll you'll get it when it happens it's it's got I mean, that song you are absolutely i as, when you said that it's like yeah it probably does have that song <laughs> because it's a night trap <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'd love to hear if you do get around to playing night trap what you think of it oh yeah i mean i'm sure it's just gonna be really insulting on some levels but also just like ah, ha, 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 this is kind of fun mm-hmm. like that's i've been playing friday the 13th on the xbox recently um, the newish single, one 
Yeah, the single player, because I don't like playing online with strangers because, haha, okay. that can get abusive. But mm-hmm. um, I have been playing, yeah, uh, as Jason. That's me! Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I have been playing as Jason because that's the only one that they've done. Um, they won't, and now they can't because I know that the rights were lost, and so now it's kind of in limbo. So, but, you know, it's- that was fun. It's in limbo, but they're giving it away free to PlayStation Plus users this month on PlayStation. Oh, which, good. <laughs> yeah. Which well, because I know there's no new development. Are Are you enjoying it? I because of that, it's like I have it. I haven't felt like the pressing need to check it out though. It's fine. It gets my aggression out when I'm mad about things. I'm like, I'm just gonna go play as Jason and kill a bunch of camp counselors and make me feel better. So okay, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah so that if you need good. that. That's okay. Maybe I'll maybe yeah. I'll download that. <laughs> sure, it's it's kind of fun. I mean, I think that sometimes like where are they, and you have to find them, but it's still fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, it seemed like a neat idea, you know, like as far as even the multiplayer goes, it it had different win conditions that seemed neat, and there was some mystery behind it about how you could summon certain, like the counselor who had the rifle, who was the only one that could actually kill Tommy Jason. Jarvis. Yes, yes, because yes. mm-hmm. he's from uh, Friday Thirteenth. Four and I think five and maybe six. So yeah, okay. he's the one who actually can't. I mean, my wheelhouse, guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who actually can do something. Otherwise, you're just kind of running and mm-hmm. hoping for the best. Yeah. But I never played that way because I'm not dealing with that. So. Not dealing with that. And I know when it came out, like everyone wanted to be Jason. So you'd launch yeah. a game and everyone that wasn't Jason would just drop out of the game. So it's like, right. all right, great. <laughs> Whereas I think it'd be more fun to be a counselor. And that's why I'm really bummed that they haven't done or they, now they can't, but for, you know, developing an AI that they would feel comfortable with having be like, okay, this does work as Jason. Cause I kind of like the idea of having to play like hide and seek. It's like that old school, um, home alone game on the original Nintendo. Like that was really fun mm-hmm. <laughs> having to hide from the antagonist, but Eh, I'll kill some camp counselors. That's fine, I guess. That sounds all right. That yeah, sounds all right. All right. That, <laughs> that actually that actually reminds me of just kind of one thing of like horror games that kind of flip the table, and that made me think of Geist on the GameCube. Have either of you ever? I've heard of it. I haven't played it though. It wasn't a good game. It wasn't oh. a good game, <laughs> but it was a it was a good idea. And I remember it was like on the box of the original GameCube. I remember getting my GameCube and seeing Geist, and I was really excited about Geist because it was a first person shooter, but you were a ghost that could possess bodies and also possess inanimate objects. Hell yeah! And it it actually wasn't a very good game, but it was still. <laughs> fun because you could actually you could hop into the body of an enemy and then start shooting his buddies and then you could hop into a vending machine and start scaring somebody by launching pop cans out of it this is basically just mario odyssey yeah fair enough fair enough (laughs) i mean it it was it was a gamecube exclusive so but yeah so yeah it's just mario odyssey i want to be that person who just launches soda pop at people and be like, ha ha ha, be scared of me. Exactly. And they'd freak out. And you'd be like, ha ha. Ha ha, that was awesome. Take that. Mm-hmm. Some enemies you had to scare before you could jump into their body. So that was kind of a mechanic and that was kind of fun. So, but I, I do like the idea of being the aggressor in a horror movie kind of setting. That That's kind of fun. Oh, for sure. It kind of gives you like a power that you don't really have as the audience because as the audience you tend to sympathize with the people who are being victimized i don't know 
Get him, Jason. Get him. <laughs> Kill her, mommy. Kill her. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Don't go upstairs, you fucking idiot. But, exactly, yeah. yeah. No, there are some of those that are just like, just, you know what? Go, Jason. Get get rid of that one. It's fine. Mm-hmm. What, what? Take take him. Leave her. Take him. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. You're cool. You can live. Get out of here. What you horror- please me. <laughs> <laughs> what horror franchise do you think needs a game series behind it? Are we talking Sleepaway Camp or what do we need? Oh my god, I would totally play that. <laughs> I would totally play that. I mean, speaking of vague transphobia, but I think Sleepaway Camp would be kind of fun. I think that if you wanted to do like a Sims kind of thing, you could do Hannibal, like you could do like Sounds of the Lambs and be Hannibal Lecter, but also like make meals and stuff. I don't know. Like that might be interesting. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter cooking game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because as you, in the Sims, you are learning how to make more recipes and as Hannibal Lecter, hey, it's gold, man. That is gold. <laughs> that is gold. We, we, we might have to leave it with that. Unless, any, unless anyone has anything to add. I can't top that. You can't top Boom! that. Boom! All right. All right. Well, in that case, let's uh, hop into our footnotes here. I want to thank everybody for listening, and thank you, Kate, for joining us. Uh, can you oh. give another list or give us another list of where people can follow your work? Yes. Okay. Um, www.librarylladies.com. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at Library Ladies MN. And you can find me. My personal account is at Alpha Reads. It's like Alphaba from Wicked because I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's, and then same for Instagram, same on Goodreads. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you can visit expositionbreak.com for new episodes of our podcast and all of our written content uh follow us on twitter at exposition break um if you have any questions submissions if you want to tell us anything about any games that you love for this time of the year for this halloween season please write into podcast at expositionbreak.com um i want to thank Icefields for the use of our theme music scenic route you can find his music on soundcloud and icefieldsmusic.com Uh, The Exposition Break podcast can be found on Anchor, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and we are now on iTunes, finally. So, Sean, I think there's there's something you've been waiting to say, Sean. Or not? Sean's gone. Sean lose? We lose Sean. (laughs) Well, crap. We did lose Sean. (laughs) (laughs) That was his big moment. You need to poach that moment in this moment. I do. All right. Well, so please review and review and subscribe to us on iTunes. It really helps our visibility. So thank you so much for all our listeners. Thank you, Kate. And thank you, Sean, even though he is not here to listen at this moment. Thanks, Um, guys. Thank you. And we will talk to you later. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, guys.